You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Radiant Culture Podcast. This is your host, Cookie Monster. Yes, it's Cookie Monster, not T Mac. Cookie Monster, your favorite. Yes, it is I. T Mac is not with us today. She. Um, she's away on an excursion. She went on holiday, guys. Can you believe it? Holiday. Where did she go then? I don't know. I just know she's on holiday. Okay. This okay. We're not disclosing this, this for the audience in case they do like. Yeah, it man. She just decided to go on holiday. Okay. Cool. No, that's, yeah. That's dope. She just sent me pictures of her on a plane, and I'm like, oh, we've got a podcast on Friday, you know? Yeah. And then she's gone. And she's like, so I'm gonna do the same. <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> nah. Yeah, but um. Today we have a very exciting and I think thought-provoking episode that we want to get into. We have a special guest with us today, very special guest. He's been here before multiple times and, you know, he's just one of those people that we unfortunately have to have on the show. I'm joking. I, I think you, what the words you were looking for there, we can't get rid of him. He just keeps coming back. He just keeps coming back. Uh, but it's none other than Tim Marks. Tim, Tim from, from Zim. Zim. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. What's up, Tim from Zim? What's happening, Kuda? Good to see you, man. Yeah, it's good to see you too, man. It's always good to be on the podcast. You know, you're a bit of a motor mouth, eh? Uh, what can I say? I learn from the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, today, <laughs> today we want to be talking about a, a subject that I believe is really topical, really timely as well. Uh, we're talking about living a life of impact. And... You know, impact is a word that's thrown around a lot these days. And uh, I, I think I got to some point where I had, I almost had impact fatigue. What, what, it, what does that even look like, though? No, man, where I just, or the word itself. I just oh, got okay. tired of hearing this word. It became like a, yeah, yeah, everywhere, man. Impact. That yes. sort of thing. Impact, 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 impact. You know, even I think, even on our business thing, we had a <laughs> thing about impact. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is that, we should be actively thinking about whether or not our lives are making an impact mm. and what sort of an impact, you know, our lives, what sort of impact we're going to leave mm. when when we eventually um, leave Earth. And so I like the two S's. You spoke about the two S's. Yeah, significance and security. It's it's something su- su- significant. Significance of having a significance or being significant in your life. And then the security... Or is this security se- or success? Security, like okay. the security of having material wealth right. surrounding you, like, Got it. like the cars, the like the double story house, married to the gorgeous uh, guy or girl, having a family, that yeah. kind of security, as as opposed to like I don't know or what other security. So this kind like. of ideal that we yeah. all grow up with and the dream that's sold to us, and we all kind of think, you know, I want to live a life where I have success and I have all the big cars and I live in a big house and I'm married to the most beautiful girl in the world and Mm. I have these beautiful kids, you know. And I think many times we, in one way or another, we we are sort of, (laughs) um, we we idolize that, you know, and we we kind of want to just live up to that ideal because it's there. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. In fact, I would say 99% of the time, it never happens like that. Yeah. I mean, if it does, kudos on, 
on you, but actually the reality is is that life life yeah. throws curveballs, bruh. This it does. Yeah. This it does. I remember when I was in my early twenties, the sort of dream that I had for myself and what I envisioned life would be and mm. I guess by the time I was thirty and then I had all these What the dream just started getting more irrelevant or le- or, or like <laughs> you were more distant no, it from was that? very idealistic okay very yeah. idealistic which is which I think is fine because yeah. I think I've sort of I've always kind of been like that I have just strange things that happen in my mind right well, you're a strange person Carlos. Thank I mean, you. That, I'll that, take that, that I'll take that as a compliment <laughs> okay cool I'll cool. take that as a compliment but but I think at some point I remember thinking yeah fine you know it's it's good and great to want to drive an aston martin and live in some big mansion somewhere but what's life about you know what's life really about yeah what what are the things that we ought to be measuring Mm. in life and then further to that as a christian what are the things that god looks at yeah what matters to god and i think when you when you really start to, to look at life on those terms you start to to see that it's not just about having material security, even though that's important. Mm. It's not just about, you know, all these things that we want, uh, having a great job, a great career, or running a great business, whatever it is that you may be wanting to do. But what is a life of significance? Yeah. What I does mean, that look like? I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a very difficult and a very loaded question, I think, because ultimately your life is measured by two systems, the world system and the biblical narrative. And the biblical narrative always puts the character of a person above their material possessions. Always. You look at the disciples, you look at Jesus. You know, Jesus made quotes left, right and center about, you know, the foxes have their burrows and this and that and the other. And the son of man doesn't have anything to his name. And he, you know, he lived a very from a materialistic perspective, a very yeah. simplistic life. He was not a wealthy individual. Right. Um, and you look at the New Testament church, they were predominantly people that did not have material materialistic wealth. And now, 2,000 odd years later from that, as Christians in the Western context, we we like to, or maybe should I say, the world's narrative of material wealth has crept in alongside what the church is saying. So we want to have the material things that make us look like we matter rather than the substance Mm -hmm. of character that comes through discipline, through reading of Bible, through prayer. Um, And I may be sounding super spiritual, but look at the heroes of faith. Look at at like the early apostles, the church fathers. They were not wealthy individuals. In fact, they were poor, 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 poor. So... But I mean, some of them, okay, let me just, some of them did have the wherewithal to do all kinds of things. And some of them did come from rich families yeah. and whatever. But I think the difference was in the attitude and the approach that they had to life. Because if you look at the early church, for example, mm. that the wealthy members of the church were willing to share what they had yeah. with those who didn't have, who, who, who didn't have the means. And yeah. there was this culture of community where everybody shared with each other and it talks about how people would bring the money or whatever they had to yeah. to the apostles feet because they valued 
what God was doing so much that they were willing to to give of their lives and to give of their possessions. Yeah. And of course, times have changed, different contexts, different eras. But I we think need, we need both. I yeah. think that, that's the, the crucial thing here. So I'm not slamming people or anybody in the faith that has material wealth. But the aim biblically is not to accumulate and amass more. The aim is to have impact. There we impact, go. We threw impact, the, the word impact, would come up. Oh my gosh. Impact. But it, it would have significance in changing people's lives. Fact, so. Let's actually use the word impact because I think it is relevant to this discussion. So yeah. it's okay. It's yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so they would have impact. And so their riches were used in such a way to not just establish the churches in different communities, but establish the spreading of the gospel. And that hasn't really changed a hangover lot. Right. You know, we're talking about a message, a word going to every people. If we're taking it from Matthew 28, which is what Jesus last, yeah. you know, commandment was, which is go ye make disciples of all nations. Then that basically means our job is to go and share Jesus love with everyone, with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge comes and i think you highlighted that just now where we as the church Mm. are starting to want to live like the world Mm. right and so we're using the same measuring stick that the world has where uh the amount of money that i have the kind of car that i'm driving yeah the amount of money that i'm making those things become the yardsticks of what it means to be a successful person yeah you know and jesus said very specifically in matthew 6 that the world, the he says, he says mm-hmm. the pagans chase after these things. Yeah. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. But I think it's talking about a posture of the heart, the posture of life that says, am I living for the world's approval or am yeah. I living for God's approval? Or have I taken the standards that the world uses yeah. and sort of superimposed that on how I do my Christian walk? You know, And I think it's deeply problematic. But as we, as we talk about this, you know, I'm, so Tim and I, um had something well, something very tragic yeah happen a couple of, of two weeks ago two weeks today yeah, actually we lost a friend of today. ours a very close friend of ours who um was i mean she, we we knew this guy from we, from church we did stuff together he was he in, moved in a lot of circles moved in a lot of really circles, yeah. really we loved did, guy yeah him and i were in band together at, at one point then we went to yali together yali yeah. is, a, is a program it's a u.s um government funded program we went on that together and he was just an amazing guy you know yeah. genuine like heart for the lord but also an unbelievable creative he yeah he really enjoyed moving and mixing with creative people he was a photographer i went out with him a couple of times to downtown harare to take pictures of like people and buildings and stuff yeah and he was just he was such a charismatic character yeah very very easy to get on with he wasn't like he didn't have an ego he had nothing to prove yeah he always had jokes for days as well so he'd always make you smile and laugh he had the one of probably one of the most contagious smiles i've ever seen in a character he did we are talking about Kelvin. kelvin Uh, or K Chronicles, what was it? Kelvin Chronicles or something like know. that? Kevy, Kevy Chronicles. Kevy Chronicles, that's it. There we go. That yeah. was his. But so anyway, yes. Kelvin, Kelvin Mutize. Yeah. Who, you know, when when Kelvin passed away, and I, we're going to get into the actual story of not what happened per se, but, you know, we were there for part of the, for, yeah. for part of the journey as his friends. But I'll tell you what blew me away was the testimonies that were coming mm. in literally from everywhere. Yeah. And the one consistent theme that was there was that Calvin 
was a loving person. Yeah. You know, consistently everybody just said this guy had so much love for people, for strangers. And it really hit me hard, you know, when I when I saw people sending in condolence condolence messages from as far as, you know, Gambia and all kinds of... Because, of course, you know, he because of Yali, you get to interact with people from all sorts... And he's been to a lot yeah, of countries, countries across well. Africa, so... And I just thought, how, how does one individual live a life that is so impactful? You know, that the moment he passes away, everyone literally says the same thing consistently. Yeah. Like they've almost, but not quite like a movie script. Like they've all been given, this is what you got to say. Yeah. But they said it from a place of genuine empathy and genuine care. And I think that was the big thing that I, my big takeaway from Calvin on impact is that because and through the love that he showed towards people, that had a direct impact on how people saw him yeah. and saw the world through his eyes. Right. So one of the things we said um, in kind of the stages of remembering Calvin um, is that he was never a guy that would just shoot his mouth off with anger or like sadness. He didn't complain. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was realist. Like he would say things as they were, but he wouldn't, you know, there's some people that get into a room and you're like, Eesh, okay, what's coming next? You know, something I'm going to feel like I need to take a bath or I'm just going to feel heavy. No, Calvin, Calvin was a breath of fresh air. Any yeah. room he went into, he lightened the mood. He went in there and just, he elevated. That was one of his key things. He mm-hmm. elevated people's perspective on life itself. Mm-hmm. I think that came from a genuine love to do that purposefully yeah. uh, to people around him. I think that was one of his big things. He purposely desired to elevate people's perspective, yeah. you know, and the work he did. So he did a lot of work with an organization called Champions for Life, right? Um, which is a an amazing organization. You guys definitely need to look it up where basically this organization goes around and demonstrates the love of Christ through uh, some amazing outreach programs they do towards kids that have been affected and are affected by HIV and AIDS. Yeah. He was really pivotal. Like the level of dedication he had was an enormous. Like he would, so the director of the organization would say, Calvin, we need to do an outreach. And he'd mm-hmm. be like, cool, where are we going? And then he'd be like, we're going to Malawi. Yeah. Can you pack your bags for Blantai? You need to leave tomorrow. <laughs> And the dude would just do that. Yeah. You'd get on a chicken bus from Harare and and get to Blantyre and hold like a camp or like an event. And these kids would come from all over. Tim, for the benefit of our listeners who might yeah. not know what a chicken bus is. <laughs> I, oh, come on. You, you know, know what a chicken we've bus got, is. We've got some, we've got some Lani listeners. Okay. Uh, okay. Gotta, gotta so basically, it. like economic travel... A la Zimbabwe style, I think is the best way of putting it, where it's, you know you're going to get to your destination, but it's not in comfort. It sure as heck is not going to be refreshing. Yep. You you may need a shower when you get to the other end, Definitely. and you may be exhausted from it, but you get to your destination. It's yeah. relatively it's okay. A whole, it's a whole experience. Yeah. But just like what you've what, what you said about Champions for Life, um, that, of course, you know, it's it's kids who are affected by and infected with mm. HIV. And Calvin actually helped set up Champions for Life in 11 different countries yeah. across Africa, which is absolutely phenomenal. And 
he believed that that's what God had called him to do. Yeah. And, you know, he went in full throttle with that, you know, yeah. and really impacted hundreds and hundreds of, of kids' lives. But you know what? Just uh-huh. on that whole thing of impact, yeah. I'm pretty sure his motive was not to have impact. So there's the key thing from a Christian yeah. perspective is if we're wanting to demonstrate Christ's love in situations, it's not about being seen to have impact. Yeah. That that's that's a worldly perspective. Yeah. Where you social media like Facebook, yeah, yeah, man. Twitter, Instagram. Put, when you put all the stats all the stats on there because you want to apply for your next grant, obviously. And <laughs> his whole concern was for that one child, that one girl, that one boy. And for him it wasn't about the impact, it was about reaching out. Yeah. So You know what's what's amazing for me, Tim, is the fact that Calvin I mean, I've I've known Calvin for years. Calvin was not... He didn't come from a rich family. No. You know, he didn't come from an influential family or anything like that. Calvin was just an ordinary guy. Yeah. Who chose... Oh, the one thing about Calvin is that he was a worshiper. You know, Ooh, he was just... Yeah. He, he, loved, he loved to worship. And I'm saying all these things to give a backdrop to say that you, you don't... You don't have to have certain things in place before you can start to make an impact. Absolutely. I think we tend to make all sorts of excuses to say, ah, man, you know, I don't come from a well-resourced background or I'm not cool enough or I'm not influential enough. I'm not. There's tons and tons of excuses that we can give. Mm -hmm. And we keep holding off doing certain things because we're thinking, I know I only start doing this when I set up my NGO and I've got funding from this. And, but it doesn't really work like that. I mean, it does sometimes, but in for the most the, yeah. part, you know, God uses very seemingly ordinary folk yeah. to really start to make a change and to make a difference in people's lives. And so, you know, with this episode, what we're just thinking about is <clears throat> just to have this discussion around the fact that where you are, where you're sitting today, what impact are you making? Mm-hmm. Whose, life, whose life are you bettering? Whose life are you impacting for the kingdom of God? I think those are the important questions we need to be asking. Are you the sort of person that when people are around you, you know, they leave thinking, yo, bruh, this guy is just, <laughs> I need, I need cleansing after this. <laughs> because, you know, and then there's just some people who are, who carry this heaviness about yeah. them, you know, and you, you don't leave there thinking, sheesh. Yeah, I want to be with this person again. Yeah. Or even Christians, you know, they're people who are just so... We, we can become so cynical and so negative mm. because we're living in a difficult world and in a difficult country if you're living in Zim, right? Yeah. And I think th- there's there's a certain attitude that can slowly start to creep into your being mm. and you just become very cynical, very critical of everything. Yeah. And sometimes without, without even realizing it, you, you really become toxic to yeah use, to no, that's, that word, that's you know? good to say that because honestly as christians i think there is a, a a real like we need to keep ourselves in check yeah and it comes I, I say this because i've had to walk this person it comes from you need to come from a position of humility mm-hmm. like like real heartfelt humility where you're not it's not about the persona you are having externally it's the inward attitude of the heart because the thing is the way i see it is if you've got the right 
attitude of the heart with God. If mm-hmm. that's the first thing that's right, the other relationships tend to work themselves out over time. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's a critical thing for impact is actually the first thing about impact is attitude. Yeah. And it's it's about having an attitude of saying, you know, Lord, I I want to have an impact. I think I, there wasn't a time ever in my life from being a teenager until now where I've like, no, I don't want to have an impact. I just want to live in my house and go on my phone and just be with myself. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a single human being that hasn't had that desire. And maybe those words haven't come to um, like the word impact hasn't been the thing they've said, but that's what they're thinking now. Actually, yeah. no, I, I genuinely want to have impact, but impact in of itself, impact in what? Yeah. So the first thing is attitude, and then what are you trying to impact? Yeah. Like, we're talking social justice. Are we talking, like, political movements? Are we talking, like, media influence? We do, what exactly are we talking about impact? Because there are different kinds of impact, both Correct. good and bad. Correct. And, you know, from a, from a Christian perspective, if you're talking about impact, mm-hmm. and we're talking about taking Jesus' love to those who do not know Jesus— in the world's eyes, mm-hmm. that is, in the modern culture, perceived as hateful because we are proclaiming certain things that yeah. are genuinely loving but are seen as hateful, Yeah, especially when you talk about the fact there's only one way to know the Father, and that mm-hmm. is through Jesus Christ, the yeah. Son. In a multicultural world space, that's a big no-no. Yeah. You can't be saying yeah. stuff like that. So... If you're wanting to have an impact and reach lots of people, the Christian message at its core, it's not going to do that for you, ultimately. But here's the great thing. Um, The Christian message, when you talk about impact, it's it's getting, and it it goes back to heart attitude. It's not about me. It's Christ in me. Mm -hmm. And if you look at all the great saints, all the different missionaries that have genuinely gone with that attitude, they have touched people from every walk of life. They may not have agreed with what that person does um, or what they're doing, mm-hmm. but actually, at the end of the day, they they set out to do what Jesus wanted them to do. And as Jesus increased in their life and they decreased, mm-hmm. their impact also increased. Yeah. You know, I, and, and that comes from a... Well, I'm not saying this as I've got it together. I by no means have this together. I, yeah. don't, I think me and Koda can say that, honestly. I've got it together. Yeah. Well, again, it's okay. Yeah. You can live in your self-deception <laughs> there, bro. Um, but Koda, I mean, for you, when, okay, so let's let's give a... When you were in your 20s, you mm-hmm. said you had a dream, an idyllic dream mm-hmm. of, of what it was. What, what did that look like? What did that impact look like at 20 versus now in your 30s? Um, well, so, so I think the first thing is that there was a lot of... You know, because I, I watched a lot of... If I was a Christian by then, I had already um, been born again. But I had a lot of ideals about things like the sort of job that I wanted to do. You know, High-powered, possibly. <laughs> of course, of course. I've always been... And the thing is, I've always been a car guy. I've always loved cars <laughs> since I was a kid, right? And so I always, I, I always had this dream of my first supercar is going to be an Aston Martin DB9. Mm-hmm. I had this all figured out. Mm-hmm. You know, then I was going to get a Lambo, then, and a whole lot of other things. Yeah. I'm still into cars and stuff, right? But I think the difference is that, or then make lots of money yes. and become popular. Then yeah. I thought I was going to be a famous preacher. This is the weird yes. thing. Oh, of course, it's not for Jesus. 
I want to be like some popular preacher like T.D. Jakes or one okay. of those guys. Okay. I had all kinds of weird ideals. What uh, happened? Huh? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> well, I'm not T.D. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, man, no. But I think what what began to happen with well, with me is that as you journey through life, you you learn and you unlearn a lot of things. You know, and that's not to say that you shouldn't have dreams. You shouldn't have high ideals. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's the case by any means. But I think what begins to happen is that you're, you you grow as a person and you start to notice the things that matter and the things that are not as important. I'll tell you the thing that I struggled with a lot was I would see some wealthy people that I know and guys who are doing really well and stuff. And I would always think, it's nice. But is this really what I want to be like? You know the people who look at wealthy people like I want this is what I want. Yeah, I, I knew a very wealthy wealthy guy like he's quite he's quite well known in these circles like just very rich guy had a lot of fancy cars and so I kind of knew him personally, and I would have conversations with this guy, and I remember thinking, I don't want to be I don't want to be like this guy, truthfully speaking. And of course, you know somebody would think you're crazy, but. I was like, I, I don't want to be like this guy. This is not the life that I want for mm. myself. I, I don't think this is me. And and I think the, the more that I also just became more serious about my, my journey with, with God, there are certain things that started to happen in my heart. So I would say in terms of impact, this is how I look at it. I think there are two levels to it. Mm. So... I think there's an intentional kind of impact where you actually set out to say, I want to be, I want to be impactful. I want to change people's lives. Yeah. You know, I want to, my, my business is going to go out there and drill boreholes for people who have no access to water. Yeah. And, and that's admirable. We're yeah, not taking knocks exactly. at that sort of thing. Or I, I want to send a bunch of kids to school and yeah. I'll set up an organization that does that. Or if it's your company, there's CSR that you're doing, or even just the way you serve your clients. Yeah. Right. That could even, that can have an impact focus on it. And I think there's something noble about that. Yeah. Right. Um, but as, as a Christian, there's another aspect to it that I think it's really been hitting me hard. And I'll tell you why I listened to a Tim Keller message. Mm. Um, Tim Keller, he, he passed away recently um, who was a very successful preacher in, well, just very successful preacher throughout the lifetime of his of his ministry. He was the lead pastor of a church called Redeemer Presbyterian based, Church, based in New York. Based in New York, yeah. You know, so did very well for himself. Uh, but one of the most solid teachers, in my view, he's got a message that I highly recommend called "Better Than Miracles." Um, actually, the person who recommended that message to me was. Um, another Christian apologist. So I listened to this message, one of the most phenomenal messages that I've ever heard. And I think it's uh, it's begun to mark my own journey. So here's what he talks about. He talks about the fact that as Christians, we focus a lot on gifting. There's a huge focus yeah. on how gifted somebody is. So if somebody is a... How are we more gifted than God? Yeah, how? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Open so that Mr. can of words. So Mr. There. Mr. Producer here just reminded me. That's reminded us of something that's been doing the rounds. Yeah, you can be, you can think you're more gifted than God. Oh my gosh, that's a whole thing all by itself. Anyway, I'm not getting down. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. So, why? So, um, we can focus so much on gifting. Yeah, and he talks about First Corinthians thirteen. 
um, that famous chapter on love. Yeah. And, <clears throat> but the Corinthian church, Corinth, yes. was a very small city, which was in many ways like New York. That's, that's the comparison that he uses, right? Where people went to Corinth to make it. It was a huge trade, trade and economics hub, economic hub. And, you know, people just went there to make it. And so um, it was also riddled with a lot of the issues that come yeah. with um, a city like that. Yep. So he, And so when Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, it's a very successful church, yep. which has got a lot of successful people. So he's talking about how 1 Corinthians 13 is actually a rebuke mm-hmm. to the guys because of the way they, they'd started living. And so he's, if you read the entire chapter, the First uh, Corinthians, just that entire chapter, yeah. it gives you the full context. But to get to my point, the point is that he's reminding them that you can have, you can be gifted and you can be popular yeah. And you can speak in tongues more than everybody else yeah. and all these things. But if you have no love, you're like a sound, you're like a gong. Yeah. The point being that we can think that because we're gifted and God is using us, we start to use those as markers yep. of, you know, for, for impact or for my walk and my journey with God. And yet God uses a very different yardstick. Yep. So he says that somebody can be gifted and st- be distant from God. Yeah. But very gifted. Yeah. Gifted preacher, gifted worship leader, but totally distant from God. Yeah. But the one miracle that you can't manufacture is love. Mm. Because that comes through a supernatural working that God does in somebody's heart. Yeah. So the love and the grace. So so in other words, Paul is saying you must yearn for that because that that is something that only god can do yeah and so which leads to my point which is that on that basis to be impactful you don't have to be the most gifted person yeah you don't have to be the most popular person you don't have to be the person who runs the biggest church or who goes to the biggest church yeah you have to be the most loving person Mm. the person who's willing to to submit to surrender their lives to god to serve others and Tim Keller's point is that God will do so much more with a person like that than he often will with somebody who's out there. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with having platforms. There's nothing wrong with having all these things. No. But as a Christian, have you also fallen into the trap of wanting to become the most popular this or the most famous this? That's a good question. You, You know, are we cultivating the things that really matter to God? Yeah, the love. I think that's always a that's a really hard question because yeah. the answer is both yes and no. Mm-hmm. If we're very honest with ourselves and our friends around us, yes, in the sense that there is, if you're walking with God, there is a deep desire to walk in such a manner that cultivates that love and that care. But also, you equally well know that there is a thing called the flesh, mm-hmm. and the flesh comes up and it bites you hard. Yeah. And there are moments where you're like, Yee, did I just did I just do that? Yeah. Did I just say those words? Or did I just look at that guy or girl in that way? Did I do you know what I mean? Yeah. You catch yourself and it's a it's a hard position to be in because it actually requires like really good honesty with yourself, mm-hmm. saying, you know what, I'm not there, but neither am I where I'm meant to be heading. And I think if you look at people that have in a very heartfelt 
way said, God, I want to do what you want me to do. Not for the sake of saying it and not for the sake of being seen to say it Mm -hmm. in and amongst the people that matter to them. But in the quiet closet space, when there's no one else looking at you, when you're on your knees praying and God is looking at the attitude of your heart and saying, okay, we can do some work, but it's going to be an awful lot of, um, of mess. And do you know what comes to mind? And this is the thing. Impact from God's perspective looks very different to Mm -hmm. our perspective. Mm So there's this analogy C.S. Lewis uses in mere Christianity is absolutely stunning Uh where it's talking about the Christian inviting God into his or her life. Mm -hmm. And what we're thinking is God's going to come in. And if we can imagine ourselves as a cottage. Oh, yeah. That that analogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I got the look. So that analogy. We're thinking, oh, he's going to come in. He's going to do the floors. He's going to do some plumbing. The next thing you know, he is ripping down entire rooms. He Mm -hmm. is destroying the roof. He's uprooting the foundations. And it's it's two things. It's an awful mess. Mm -hmm. And it is unbelievably painful. Yep. In that process. And so for me, that is intrinsic of the transformational work of the Holy Spirit yeah. in a believer's life. And here's the thing. Our vision of what impact or like being God-centered looks like is a cottage that looks nice and looks pretty on the outside and works on the inside. God has got no plan for that. In fact, he's very clear that he's going to renovate and completely change it from a cottage to a palace. Yeah. And here's the kicker. He's coming to live in that palace. So for us, when we talk about involving God from a godly perspective of impact, do we really know what that looks like? Because to us, we might think it looks like from a world's perspective, ultra success, you've got money, you've got this, you've got that. But if you look at it from a historical perspective of people that God really used mm-hmm. it it is as far from what the reality of the 21st century modern christian is as possible so i want to i want to read sorry to, to just pause you there i want to read this quote the quote that you just mentioned yeah. i think it's such an important and relevant quote <laughs> so cso says imagine yourself imagine yourself as a living house god comes in to rebuild that house At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards... You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Yeah. And I just think it's so deep in the sense that God... So, like you're saying, the Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves. Hebrews 12. Yeah. You know, and... Um, but it says that if we don't go through the discipline, then we're like... Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't quite word it like that, but I get I get where you're coming from. Illegitimate children is the word that uh, is I always think of that word in that in that way when I when I read when I read that scripture. I am bastard. But well, just like, for, the, for PG's sake, we'll use illegitimate children because that's what Hebrews in the ESV but, uses. But, but we cool. we have to go through the process, and my concern often, you know, today with 
all this celebrity culture, all this. Um, and I'm, listen, I'm speaking here as somebody, frankly, who is uh, one of the main worship leaders in a very big church, who's yeah. quite well known. So I'm, I'm fully aware, like sometimes it gets really annoying, to be honest, where, <laughs> you know, almost everywhere you go, there's somebody who knows you, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm speaking. Or knows of you. But oh, you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just so many random. Some some of the most random. You know, one of the most random things that happened is that I was in Cape Town a couple of weeks ago, and I'm walking in this mall on a very random day, like super random. So I was yeah. with s- some friends and and their and their kids, and I'm I'm <laughs> so I had the kid and my friend's wife, and we're walking together. <laughs> Right, oh, I can see it you know, now. This so the kid comedy. was holding. So the kid was holding my hand and yes. and his mom's hand. Yes, because the dad had. So you looked like the the good mixed race couple that, is, yeah, that 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 you're going with. No, no, it wasn't, wasn't mixed race. It was she, she's she's black. Okay. So then this Bali just rocks up to me. Ha, ah, brother Kuda. So I'm like, what the heck is calling me, brother Kuda? Yeah. So you know, so is <laughs> that? And I could see from the way he was looking. That he was like, is this your wife? And whatever. Then, of course, he starts talking to me about action and stuff. And anyway, but long story short, I just wondered what the heck was going through his mind. And how does... Because it was in a very <laughs> random place. Do you get me? Yeah. And this guy knows you by name. You have no idea who he is. So, anyway, I'm just saying that to say, in this world where we can start focusing so much and those things can become so important yeah. that I want to, I want to be well known. You know, I want to, I want to have this big platform. That's a big mm-hmm. thing, right? I want to have so many followers or whatever. We can get so caught up in that and think that's what impact looks like yeah. and forget that impact is what you are talking about. That if we can allow God to start doing his work in our hearts yeah. and he will cause us to reach people that we would have never thought, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, so, cultivating that heart that says hey i just want god to use me or i just want to i just want to do what i have to do to honor god and i feel like that's what calvin's life symbolized in so many ways you know that's that's the sort of person that he was and yeah man and i I remember calvin passed away two weeks ago Uh, yeah two weeks today actually yeah two weeks today you know and the week that he passed away um tim and i went to see him um on Twice. Twice, actually, yeah. yeah. So the first time, yeah, it wasn't looking too good. Tuesday. I was, I was actually shaken by that. I was like, yo, this is crazy. Then when we went to see him again, you know, he was much better. He was... Yeah. He was talking. He, he was, was talking, upright, vibrant. eating food, all of that sort and of we, thing. And we spoke. We joked around. We're, we're <clears throat> sharing all kinds of memories. Then he asked asked us to pray for him and to anoint him with oil. Yeah. Um, Tim read Psalm 23 over him. Beautiful time that we had, yeah. you know. And... Um, and I remember leaving the hospital then thinking, Hey, I think there's hope, man. I think this yeah. guy is actually, is actually on the mend, Yeah, you know, only to then get a call from Tim the following day that he'd passed away. Just apropos of that, I told Kodak, so I come from a medical family background. So for me to hear that somebody's passed, it's not, it is a big deal, but it's not like I don't understand when somebody says they're gone, that they're actually dead. However... When I phoned my illustrious friend Kuda, it took him a little bit of time for the penny to drop of what I was penny talking didn't about. Drop, man. <laughs> this guy just randomly calls me, and I'm thinking he's calling me because Tim calls me for a lot of random things. And then that's what friends do, by the way. 
<laughs> so it's like, dude, Calvin's gone. I'm like, okay. Gone where? You know what I'm that's, saying? So that's what he said. He says, gone where? So it's like, no, could a, could a Calvin has died? And then he's like, no, wait, what? <laughs> and, and at first he was like, no, no, are you, are you joking? I was like, no, no, could a, could a, could a. I've just got the call from Arno. Calvin is late. And that's when it struck you that, oh my gosh, yeah. he'd actually, he'd actually died. Yeah. And I think, that, you know, for me, this is the first time that somebody who's like an age mate, somebody that mm. I'm that close to, um, has died in that way where we were actually there, you know, and I'll tell you, um, when we got to the hospital after we'd gotten the news and we were allowed to go into the ward where, because yeah. his body was actually still there, bruh. It, it wasn't scary or anything. No. It was more like, how does somebody... Like, he's lying there so peacefully, yes. but he's not there anymore. No. I think it, it... There's something that it did in my heart. It got me to realize that that's just... That's how fragile life is. Yeah, absolutely. That's how fragile it is. That one moment you're there, and the next moment you're gone. And the Bible says in the book of James that don't boast about tomorrow. Mm. You know, don't boast saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But rather say, if the Lord wills. And yeah. I think there's a certain posture and attitude that we ought to have that will make us different from the rest of the world. Mm. You know, where, yes, let's have big dreams and ambitions. Let's chase after those things that we want to do, especially if we have the capacity to do them. Why not, right? But let's be careful that we don't get so caught up in that. Yeah, absolutely. And making that our ultimate definition of success at the expense of cultivating the right qualities, the qualities that God values. Absolutely. You know, and those, and, and that's hard because from a human perspective, impact is driven by a selfish desire to be recognized, to be known, to be loved and to be appreciated for who you are. But a godly sense of impact, it's, it's about Jesus ultimately. Yeah. And I, I, and Jesus through you. So yeah. the way I had it explained when I was a teenager is that, when you are showing someone the love of Christ, Christ's love is you are the vessel and the love of Christ is like water being put into a jug. Now, you can put water into any container. Um, if you put it into a metal cup, it's going to taste a bit of metal or wood. It's going to taste woody, glass, etc, etc. Mm-hmm. So even when they get Jesus through you, there's still a little bit, a little bit of who you are. And that's the unique thing with any, anybody who has lived their life like that. And I think Calvin was very much like that. Like you knew he loved Jesus. There was no doubt about it. You knew the dude loved Jesus. You knew the way he lived his life was a way that um, showed Jesus love. Did he get it right? Absolutely not. He'd probably be one of the first to say no. But also, you know, his impact is so unbelievably unique. And, you know, on Friday when we went to the hospital, it was sober. It was a very somber, sober moment, as it is. But the strength that I saw in Arno that day. Arno is his wife, by the Arno, way. Arno is his wife. Yeah. Been married three years. Um, unbelievable strength in a woman like that, you yeah. know. Um, just being like, it is well. And continually saying that over herself. It is well, it is well. And even at the funeral, which happened on Saturday. Um, so... So it was a bit crazy that weekend. So Calvin passed away on the Friday. Saturday morning, we got told at like eight that the funeral was that afternoon. 
So Kuna were like, Yeesh, okay, we're going to have to hustle. Then I got asked to do like the memorial, the picture memorial. And then Kuna drops on me two hours before the funeral. Hey, do you want to MC with me? I was like, okay, if you hold my hand and talk to me nicely, I can try. Um, and it was... I don't, I don't hold guys' hands, by the way. Well, yeah, yeah I keep telling yourself that. Um, <laughs> but, but basically, we got to the memorial and... It was, first of all, we both said this is way big. We both of us were like, this is bigger than us. We've yeah. never done something like this so quickly. Yeah. Um, where there's potential for offense, lots of mistakes. Um, and we both, we prayed together and we're like, Lord, we need you. We can't actually do, do this yeah. in our own yeah. strength. Um, so could have led the worship uh, along with a couple of other guys. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... The, the 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 I don't I don't want to hyper spiritualize it because it's very easy to do that, but the ge- genuinely the spirit behind the funeral and the way it was conducted when people spoke you know what they spoke about the message that they carried it was amazing like yeah. it, it genuinely felt like we honored his life we didn't mourn like the Bible says we don't mourn as those who do not have hope oh, yeah you know. And so, even though Calvin's body was there, the actual person of Calvin, we believe corporately, is with Jesus. Um, We could celebrate that and could celebrate his life for the impact it had. And that's what really got me thinking at the end of Saturday was when you die, because it's 100% guaranteed, Mm -hmm. unless you're one of the lucky listeners to be raptured. But that's another discussion (laughs) for another day. Um, But it's 100% guaranteed everyone is going to die. And at your funeral, when people come to talk at your funeral and give testimony to who you were as a person, Mm -hmm. what are they going to say? What what is the constant vibe that's going to come through? Because that's, you see... We can't measure our impact as individuals. I don't believe we can. We can yeah. sort of see it. Yeah. But actually, it's only measured after you die, number one. And number two, it's measured by others. It's yeah. measured by the community of people from across the world. The people you've impacted. Yeah. yeah. And and that was the big thing for Calvin. It was not just, you know, yes, of course, you're going to have family members and wife and friends. But actually, you know, it, was, it went further afield. We live streamed the impact because... Yeah of how fast the funeral had happened. And there, there were, there was so much feedback on that live stream. I was mm-hmm. utterly blown away. Me too. Um, but yeah, ultimately impact. If we if we're talking about it from a godly perspective, it's about reaching people with, with his love. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what it is. And we need to get out of our own way when we do that and let Jesus step in. And Calvin had an amazing way of, of doing, doing that, that yeah. ultimately. Yeah, man. So as we wrap up this episode, you know, I just want to, I guess want us to reflect on a couple of things. <clears throat> One of them being, what can you personally do to start living your life with more impact? Mm. You know, maybe there's somebody out there who you want to do impact on a, large scale and you've got the capacity to do so you know you want to impact people's lives and do initiatives and all kinds of things that are going to change people's lives great go for it do it you know or maybe you're just somebody who's like hey i i don't plan on doing anything massive like that but i just want to love people where i am i just want to 
I want to love my family. I want to, I want to be remembered for my love. The thing about being a Christian is that the one thing that we can all do is that we can all love. Mm. You know, we can we can all do better in our love our love walk. That yeah. there's something that we can do to do that, that we can do to improve that. So, you know, sometimes we become so <clears throat> we we can become so focused on our gifts. Yeah. And on our service in church, you know, that I'm like, "Hey, they're not recognizing me." Yeah. They're not giving me the chance to do this. And often we get offended at things. They're not letting me preach. I'm supposed to be preaching. Or they're not letting me sing. They're not letting me play. Whatever uh, that thing could be. I think we need to be careful about things like that. Mm-hmm. That we, we, we can start measuring the wrong things. Right? And, and of course, you know, if you're a singer, do the best that you can to be the best that you can. Definitely, I get that. But then or the fl- anything else, not yeah. just singers. Then the flip, the flip side of that is those of us who may not be as, as gifted can also start to have a sense of self-pity. Yeah. To be like, ah, but I'm not as gifted. God only uses gifted people. We've got to be careful about that as well because I think that's equally dangerous. Whereas... Guys, I've seen I've seen people who who are just ordinary people, mm. but who are some of the most amazing people that you, you can see that God's hand is on this person just because of the way they yeah. are, the what what they exude from their from their heart. You can see there's a joy of yeah. the the joy of the Lord is there, and so are you still serving with the joy of the Lord? You know, is that something mm. that you still value? Are you still serving with a heart that says, "Hey, man," you know, do you still have a prayer life? You know, all those things. Let's measure the right things so that when we start to go out there and live lives, we live lives of impact and it just flows naturally out of us because we're so connected. We're so connected to God. I think that's so crucial, hey, because as you were saying that, I was just, there's two things. Um, The first thing is that the Bible is very clear about, um, you know, you're talking about 1 Corinthians about love. There's also a specific thing in 1 Corinthians about the body mm-hmm. and that there's certain aspects of the body that appear to get more glory than the others. And there's this particularly interesting Christian writer called John Bevere. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of him. It's pretty well known. He talks Severe about... Severe Bevere. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that nickname. I think you just made that up on the spot, bro. <laughs> that was bad. No, actually, I heard that from somebody. Anyway. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so he talks about giftedness, and it's and, it, and it's to do with gifting. Like, there will be people that will listen to this and think, "I do not have a gifting. I do not have something that is visibly recognizable." Here's the kicker: the body of Christ has a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. But if we took them out of the body, it would cease to be a body yeah. very quickly. And that's the important thing is just because your gift is not recognized and the Bible talks about it, it's not about the recognition. Just because uh, there's that thing about the thumb, you know, wanting everything else to be like the thumb or yeah. the toe or, or whatever it is. You can't all be one thing. We have our part to play and our role to play. Now, I'll give you a good example of that in the body of Christ. So lots of people know about, you know, T.D. Jakes or Reinhard Bonnke or Billy Graham as these great evangelists. Mm-hmm. But there was this little guy who grew up in Holland in just after World War II. And he went off to fight in a war that didn't 
quite work out the way he wanted it to work out. Then he came back and he met Christ and got radically reborn. This is in the early 50s in a very conservative part of Europe after World War II. Then the dude finds out about Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but there are loads of people that don't even have a Bible, right? So he starts finding Bibles to give to people. And his whole thing was about giving Bibles to people that didn't have Bibles. And for the next 50, no, 60 years, that was his mission. I'm talking about Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew. You you told me about Brother Andrew. I told you about Brother Andrew, but there's a book called God Smuggler. And basically, this dude's whole thing was getting Bibles to places that they did not want the Word of God to go to. Like Russia. Russia. So he got in behind the Iron Curtain during the height of Soviet Russia. He has got Bibles into China. I don't know if the Chinese are listening, uh, but... Sorry for you guys. The Bibles are there. Um, Good for you. <laughs> but basically, this dude, he wasn't a big, like, onstage preacher. He, he was not a TV persona. Mm-hmm. He was a dude that literally just delivered Bibles. And his stories, guys, are, are absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. He is a hidden part of the body. But his impact is no less significant than that of... Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke. Do you know what I mean? He may not be an evangelist, but my gosh, there are people's whole eternal destinies that have been pivotal because that man obeyed God when God said, go and deliver these Bibles. So here's the thing, guys, as we wrap up. Yes, I can see you're getting into your preacher there. No, no, no. I'm stopping myself before I go there. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing. We all want to have impact mm-hmm. and we will all want to have significance and an aspect of security that comes with that. But ultimately, that's God's business. Yeah. We need to be obedient to what he is asking us to do today, this week, this month, this year. Yeah. Um, and as Kuda said, with regards to love, um, that's the first step, ultimately. And then it builds on top of that. So, you know, as you seek God and as you seek the way forward of being impactful just hold that in mind and you may be stunned where god leads you True. ultimately True. so you may become a bible smuggler exactly because that was um brother andrew's nickname was the yeah. bible smuggler. and be damn good at it too yeah very you much know? so right yeah yeah sorry i used the word damn <laughs> but yeah on that bombshell thank you tim hey Always a pleasure being here, Kuda. Tim from Zen. What can I say? <laughs> but I do miss your other co-host. I mean, she's the more attractive and definitely the better speaker. Of the she's two married, of you. bro. No, I know she's married, but I am allowed to appreciate the beauty. better speaker of the two of us. Yeah. Listen, you're not going to get invited again. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, just, I know just, that. <laughs> just so you know, this is your last. This is your last podcast. <laughs> I, if, 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 if I speak the truth in love and it's not appreciated... <laughs> well, there's no love in there. <laughs> That's for sure. Anyway, guys, it's been lovely. It's been great. Tim from Zim, Absolutely thank you so awesome much. T-Mac, we miss you. you. Come back already. And uh, yeah, have a lovely week. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.